you know where you are? Do you know where you are? is Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 92, almost in the triple digits. I was talking to Raz Q the other day and because he's helping me build the YouTube channel. And he's like, he had he's like, you've been doing this show a long time without Scotto. And Scotto's last episode was episode 39 with Darren Miller with CKY and been going uh solo or with guest co-host since episode 40 with London Hudson, Nico Sangaris, and now uh episode 92, uh returning. Uh, do we call you uh, maybe now Ranton Russ or just Russ TCB from IGNR Forum? <laughs> I'm uh, I'm getting that reputation, so I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. Uh, people are because I, I think you've done some other podcasts and just or when you go on a rant in in my GNR Forum, people seem to really appreciate your your very honest uh, point of view. And um, I don't know, is this your second or third episode you've been on? I think this is the third time I've been on your show. Very, I like it. And you, for some reason, you always remind me of my friend Stud, who co-hosted the uh, Johnny Kelly episode. You have that same deep voice. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you have more of a radio voice than I do, which makes me <laughs> angry. And so does uh, our other guest, I guess because he's been in radio even longer than I have, Meltdown from uh, WRIF in, in Detroit. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I'm I'm really happy to talk to you because we've been Twitter buds for a while. I'm not sure if we first followed each other just because in in the radio world uh, on my Belbiv Brando personal account. Or <laughs> do you know how like we found each other? Because you're a huge Guns N' Roses fan. We'll talk about that. You've interviewed almost everybody except for Izzy. Uh, do you know? Yeah, do you remember yeah, how I don't we... know. I'm not exactly sure. You know, normally if people follow me and they're in radio, I'll follow him back just as kind of like a, a professional courtesy. Mm. But uh, that being said, I try to follow back a lot of people, especially if they look like it's a real account. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that might have been uh, it. I try to follow. I tried. To, I tried as long as I could not to follow Russ, but finally I had to give in one day. So. <laughs> How did you guys get connected? Because Russ, you're from. Uh, where are you from again, Russ? You're also from Detroit. Detroit. Oh, Detroit. Right, so yeah, I've been. Uh, it's funny, I've you know, listened to Meltdown on uh, WIRAF for years and years and years and years, and uh, we actually ended up getting uh, hooked up and became friends uh, through uh, the Chinese Democracy record because uh, I'm friends with uh, Ron Paul, who of course played on the record and uh he came he came to town for a solo show and uh it was it was it was funny. He was over here at my house and uh I've got quite a uh, vinyl setup, and he uh, sends me a text about halfway through the afternoon before his show. He says, uh, "Hey, do you know who Meltdown is?" I said, "Yeah, it's a guy from uh, the biggest rock station in Detroit." He says, uh, "Well, he's here, and he's a big vinyl guy. He wants to know if he can come by the house later." And I was like, "Yeah, as long as he's not a dick, sure." You know, like I don't know, you know, like, I don't know. Him. Boy, that was a he says, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It turns out he was wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, so, anyways, and, you know what's funny is it, it, it's funny because Ron is like just 
just the most loving, sweet guy. And so it's like, it doesn't matter if, if, if he was a dick around with, Oh no, he's great, you know, or whatever. So, uh, you know, up until we actually hung out, I was like, I, you know, I don't know how this is going to go. Cause I don't know anybody in the, in the industry or anything, but uh, anyways, we ended up uh, damn near watching the sun uh, come up together, me, him and uh, Ron. And, uh, you know, we've stayed in touch since then and whatnot. And it's, it's, it's pretty cool to, um, to actually know somebody in the industry and, you know, discuss all the stuff back and forth. And it's funny because, uh, you know, Meltdown's the type of guy that actually listens to something before he passes judgment on it, which is why he likes Chinese as much as he does. And a lot of people who claim to dislike it have never heard the record. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, honest opinions like that are kind of hard to come by. So it's cool for me. That was funny that day that we met, uh, because, um, I was hanging out with Bumble in the afternoon. I think I had something going on at night, so I like I missed the first part of the show, but I caught the end of it. And um, when we were, it was around six o'clock dinner time or something like that, and he goes, he goes, "Hey man, do you like vinyl?" I'm like, "Man, I love vinyl." We started talking about different things like that. And he goes, "You got to see my buddy Russ's bass, man. This is awesome. You got to come to the party later on afterwards." I'm like, "Now I'm, I'm thinking, is he inviting me to this guy's house? I don't know." I'm like, "Sure, I'll go." So, so we ended up going, had a great time, and. I still have video on my phone of uh, of Bumble just like uh, picking away at the guitar, doing like he was doing like Abbey Road and all sorts of stuff uh, on his guitar. Yeah. He just spit out a song and he'll just start playing it for you. Mm. Yeah, I've got the yeah, I've got the same thing. And I know we'll, we'll get back to the Chinese thing, but what Mel was talking about was uh, Brando. I kid you not, it was like it must have been five six hours of any song you could name. This cat was just note perfect playing it off the top of his head and uh when he met, when Meldon mentioned uh Abbey Road it was somebody had requested the Beatles and Ron, Ron played the entirety of side two of Abbey Road straight through <laughs> that's ridiculous the rhythm and the lead parts while he was singing it that's ridiculous <laughs> it was it was in like he, like Meldon said I've got a couple of clips here and there but it still doesn't capture how awesome it was well, that's what today's episode is uh, going to be about, Chinese Democracy Revisited, because as we record this, uh, you know, it's, it's Sunday the 18th, and uh, it will be officially 10 years this coming Friday that Chinese Democracy was officially released. And it's almost – it's close to that amount of time since I interviewed Bumblefoot, who was my very first interview ever uh, at, at Pixie 103 in, in Cape Cod. And I know, uh, Russ, you tried to do your, your due diligence trying to get Bumble on the show, and I've spoken about it before. And I don't want to sound, maybe I do, too much sour grapes. I guess I'm just disappointed because <laughs> uh, we tried to get him on this episode. Obviously, it would have been cool to talk about Chinese with a guy that was involved in it. Um, but I think that with what we'll, we'll talk about just in record itself and maybe the band of that time, so much negativity was surrounded, um, surrounding that the environment of that, that time in GNR. And I, 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 I get it. If he just doesn't want anything to do with GNR, even though I've, I've said I will just talk about, you know, like when I said to Tommy Stinson, I'll talk, we'll just talk about your new stuff. I mean, I got a couple of GNR questions in there, but I think people just want to hear from you. But, you know, uh, I, I will still hope, uh, hope and pray that he's like, you know what? He's a Brooklyn Jew like me. Like, and he'll just, we'll find some sort of, middle ground there and he'll do a, a mitzvah and, and come on the show but uh, you know there's a there's a there's a rant and i'm not not gonna pretend that i can do the whole thing but there's an axel rant from uh, i want to say albany new york or right on the 2002 tour i might have the city wrong but i think that's what it is and there's a part in it where um where axel talks about like and, and this is pretty bumblefoot uh being in the band but he says uh you know he's like you know these guys 
worked real hard to be in this band, you know, so so that they can get abused, you know, mm. just to be in the band. And I'll tell you why, I, you know, I don't want to speak for, for Ron or anybody else who's been a part of any lineup, but, uh, you know, you talk about a rough road, man, you know, those, those, those guys that chose to be a part of that, uh, you know, any, anyone from Bucket to Robin, uh, Richard, who's still there, Frank, who's still there, you know, I, I mean, those guys just, I mean, you're, you're openly taking on, probably the most ridiculous uh, proposition in the history of music, you know, of just recreating this whole thing out of nowhere, still calling it the same band name and everything. And, uh, yeah, I can't even imagine what a lot of those guys have, have gone through. Right. And uh, Bumble was at the, the towards the tail end of that. Because uh, I, I want to play... Um, because Meltdown has interviewed uh, Axl Rose back in 2002, and I think it's so funny. That oh, is he in that band? I had to, I had to convince you, Meltdown, to put it on the, the Internet because you're like, who would care? Everyone, people would well, care. what's funny is I started listening to your show, and I'm like, you know, I got this old interview from 2002 that I, I'd kind of forgotten about. And um, let me just uh, preface this by saying when I did this interview, uh, there was like a list of certain things I wasn't allowed to talk about. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into everything that, that they told me not to talk about, but uh, uh, Axel actually brought up some of them. And then I heard a few days later that he was kind of upset uh, that we talked about some things we weren't supposed to. And I'm like, I didn't bring, I, you know, look, when I interview bands and stuff, I'm not trying to, you know, be a dick or nothing. I'm, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt and make them look and sound good. So I wasn't trying to pull anything off. You didn't. I talked to Axel off. Yeah, I talked to him actually after I was done with the interview for like a few minutes. He was great, you know, the whole thing. And then he stopped doing interviews. So I don't know. It's like um, I thought the interview was was cool. I listened to it again after whatever you know, ten or fifteen years or whatever it was. I thought, man, that's pretty good actually. So you know, it is what it is. I just listened to it and a couple clips I would like to play. I think relate to and it, it could start us off. And we're also going to get to a bunch of listener comments about this when I said we were going to do this episode uh, today. And uh, the first one that will just get us jumped off is uh, from Iman Azizi. Hopefully, um, forgive me if I'm totally butchering your name. Uh, we need to sit down at a round table with a few round of beers to fully discuss this one, of course, referring to Chinese democracy. And, of course, in some nearly three years sober, I'll have a soda, but point point taken so this was um meltdown and i have done that at least two or three <laughs> times over well we'll, yeah. we'll we'll do that uh in, in in our own way here uh in a, in a podcast so maybe this is how you know axel felt afterwards and this is how bumble feels now but this is uh axel talking about why he did so few interviews and this was back in 2002 basically i just don't go looking to you know promote myself on 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 every little thing until there's some kind of product and we've been you know there's something to put out that that i think's worth it and and we've been working on this band and trying to get things right for a long time and uh if i go to like do interviews or anything like that it just gets turned around by so many people around the world who don't have anything better to do than to try to shoot anything down. Mm. And that was just too draining to deal with everybody else. Nothing has changed. What's funny about that is that he could have said that comment last week. That's what I mean. That's like I said, nothing has changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it still holds true for sure. It's, it's a lot of people say that. I mean, you, you see it now with, you know Corey Taylor and people and, and, and people who are just always in in the news all the time, and it's not like they're going out seeking press like that. They're not Kiss. You know they just may do an interview like you you know in Detroit and talk to you meltdown, and they're promoting a a show in the area and blabbermouth or 
Uh, our friends at Alternative Nation pick it up, and it's spun a certain way for their own reasons. I never think it's a an evil reason. It's just a business decision with certain words or certain headlines. Um, but I mean, kudos to you, man. I, I don't know. I, I may I may retire if I ever a- interview Axel uh, the <laughs> next day. Um, so that might be a good point to start. Oh, this is before we get into like we start like your first uh, impressions of Chinese, and then how you feel ten years later. Uh, this I, I found very interesting, and we all kind of know this, um, but again, we're 10 years later, and none of these plans came to fruition. So this is what uh, Axel willingly told Meltdown. I mean, you were saying how you didn't really probe him or you weren't a dick. He was giving, he was coughing up information, and this was a, a good nugget. And when we do drop the record, the plan is to drop the record, have a bunch of extra tracks about a year or so down the road, drop another record, and drop a third record. This is a three-stage thing, and we'll be touring for a real long time. Really? Uh, not really. <laughs> Ten years later. Yeah. Um... Ten years? Ross, that was in 2002. Oh, no, I know. Yeah, I always tell people that about, and, and we can get into this later, but the first time I, I heard the songs was, was this, the show that he also was doing an interview with you to promote at the Palace in uh, November of 2002. So he's telling right. you this stuff in 2002, and then the record itself doesn't even come out for another six years. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, that was one of the things I wasn't allowed to talk about with the record. I'm not really sure. I can't really recall what brought up the uh, the record, but obviously, you know, none of that uh, ever did come to fruition. Who knows how much stuff they have right now? I don't know, uh, Brando, if you heard the interview with Slash about uh, two months ago, but of course, I, you know, it was funny because they're like, yeah, we're going to give you 10 minutes of Slash. I'm like, okay, fine. Then when I get on the phone, they're like, this, we got eight minutes. And I'm like, oh my God. So dude, you can't really like, you can't really have a conversation like we're having a conversation. Mm-hmm. You can interrupt someone and start to dig deeper about what they're saying. It's like you got to take their answers. You got to move on because there was like five or six things I really wanted to hit. And so at the end of the interview, I don't know if, if you listened to it, but I said, hey, listen, I got to ask. I know it's a hack question, but are you guys going to put out any stuff with Guns and Roses? I mean, you know, and he said, you know, he pretty much said, yeah, there's no timetable. I don't know when, but, uh, you know, it's probably a pretty good bet that they'll put something out in the future. So. Which is great, which is something that in the future, you know, uh, soon is, is the word, how I always end the, uh, the podcast, and that's what Axel infamously said. And this was your interview with Axel was shortly after the, uh, the MTV Awards where he said that. So that's what Chinese yeah. was. It was just waiting for something. It was just waiting. Uh, I got a kick out of because it was Richard Fortas's uh, birthday the other day. Uh, happy fifty second. That on Wikipedia, he's the, you know other than Axel and Dizzy, he's the longest tenured uh, member since two thousand two, and he's released one studio record. Uh, let me just tell you something about a fifty two year old guy that walks around with his shirt off. That really kind of pisses me off. Okay, I do exercises every single day. I don't have abs like Richard Fortas, so <laughs> that's like that really annoys me. You should be really pissed at um, uh, Phil uh, Phil Collin from Def Leppard. Dude's 60. Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't, oh, yeah, I don't think I Phil Collin owns any shirts. <laughs> dude, that's so funny you say that, Russ, because I just interviewed him about three or four months ago, and I go, I go, dude, what's the deal? Can you keep your shirt on through an entire set? <laughs> he thought that was the funniest thing. I said the, guy, so. I said the same thing to him when I interviewed him. I, oh, I, I asked him, like, first of all, are you wearing a shirt right now? I just want to know right. what kind of inter- interview this is going to be. <laughs> So, uh, you know, again, it was, um, I guess, another fan comment that that might be a good jumping off point. I want to see if I can uh, found it. But it was basically about how he wish he didn't find. Oh, here it is. It's our friend from uh, Mr. Mac uh, from Ireland. It was a shame that so much of it got leaked. 
The lack of promo, interviews, and videos stank a bit. There was no celebration of its release. Barely a murmur. Yep. Uh, still listen, though. So that's kind of how I was. So where... Do you remember, like, when it first came in the consciousness, like, this new album? Obviously, the band broke up. You know, you just... Yeah, I'm curious about that with Meltdown. Did you actually, did you hear any of the record uh, prior, or did you hear it when it actually came out? Because it was very no, well, slow for, for many of us. Well, look... Well, look, Russ, you know how much whiskey I drink, so sometimes my mind is a little foggy. But uh, you reminded me that we had played uh, a version of Better before the, I mean, years before the record had come out. And, of course, we got the, the C&D on it, so we couldn't play it anymore. But, uh, you know, um, no, I, I don't really recall hearing. I mean, well, and then, of course, you know, the record comes out and stuff. I might be jumping a little bit ahead. But there was, like, zero promotion. They didn't, you know, it's like, you know, you got to kind of work a little bit. I'll tell you what. I just saw the Queen movie this afternoon. I don't know if you I guys saw it yesterday. It's a great movie, and it's mm-hmm. like you know those guys work their tails off, and it's like you know they put out a record, they tour, they do all they do, do the stuff you're supposed to do. I've always said that I thought that um, Chinese Democracy is one of the most underrated albums of all time, at least as far as, as, as in my mind, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that if there would have been a good push, a little bit of promotion. Uh, some more radio singles released, videos, whatever the case could be. I think that that record could have turned into something really special. That's just my two cents. So when it comes to the promotion, I, I actually made a couple of notes of things that I want to talk about. And, and, and before I go off on this, I don't want to say that I am not making excuses for Axel. I, he absolutely should have done anything to promote the record. However, one thing that always really pissed me off about when the record came out was that, you know, in the U.S., Best Buy got the exclusive on it. Mm-hmm. And, the, and when Best Buy announced that they had the exclusive, their CFO or whoever did the actual announcement went out of his way to go on about how, how he actually used the phrase monumental promotion was going to occur for this. There was not one radio ad, not one TV ad, like nothing at all to promote it on Best Buy's end. And then the, the Sunday morning that the record actually came out, you, you go into Best Buy, there was nothing but a standee just with, you know, just the CD and the, and the yep. LPs sitting there. And that was it. And it was like, how is this monumental promotion? Like, you know, and, and again, I understand that this was, you know, uh, at least 50, 60% of it, uh, the promotion lies squarely at the feet of Axel. But then again, who knows what he was told? You know, he, he may have been told like, oh, and you can sit back on this because this, you know, part of the whole uh, uh, exclusive deal is that they're going to promote the hell out of it and whatever, you know. So that, that may have been part of the reason why he didn't do anything uh, either, you know. But like that, to this day, that still pisses me off that Best Buy said, uh, oh, man, we're just going to promote the hell out of this. And then bar- barely a whisper. You know. Well, I think if I think if Axel would have put in like maybe let's say fifteen or twenty like really high profile interviews with like you know with like uh, you know Rolling Stone with uh, you know whatever some high profile people like with Meltdown at WRF <laughs> right things like that right that this uh, <laughs> could kick. <laughs> Yo, you're, you're talking not, about the big dogs, <laughs> right? They're, they're really I know a little bit over I'm over overreaching a little bit, but listen. If he would started that in like September, October, or something, who knows what would have happened? You know, I don't know. I'm just you know spitballing here. Who knows? Maybe nothing could have happened, but at least it would have been a starting point. Yeah. When you first started, I mean, I, this will be another uh, good fan comment to jump off of. Uh, Richard Allison said, "I remember getting a lot of the leaks at the time. As time went on, thinking this thing was never coming out, and that's how I was. And I was that's when I really got introduced to my GNR forum." 
and, and getting these leaks you know, of, of better and uh, the, the, the really shitty one of IRS that sounded like it was recorded off an, a stereo. Uh, there was a time. Uh, there was, what, song one, two, and three. They weren't even named yet. Uh, and yeah. what were you thinking when you first started listening to these leaks? Because that, I mean, for, for leaks and some not obviously not finished quality, I got excited. I, I liked better. I thought there was a time was, I mean, it's still one of my favorite songs ever. I mean, a lot of the comments that I got, uh, people sent in was specifically there was a time. So I'm glad I'm. There was a time is, is my favorite off the record. And it's, and Madagascar is probably second, but there was a time for me is like, I mean, I don't think it gets any better on that record personally. So. So what? Like, what did you? So, think, what do you guys think when you you knew Guns N' Roses? You're both older than me, so I I don't. Did you either? I forget if I've asked you, Russ. But did either of you see the original band? Or, oh yeah, ninety one, ninety two, and ninety three. Okay, and what about you, Meltdown? Yeah, the first time I saw him, <laughs> I mean, this is a great way to get introduced to him is uh, on that Metallica tour. That was the first time I had seen him. Uh, don't forget, I I grew up and I was living in Buffalo, and I grew up there until uh, 1995 when I came to Detroit. So it wasn't like Guns N' Roses came to Buffalo every day. As a matter of fact, I'm not even sure if they were supposed to come to Buffalo on that tour with Metallica, but uh, uh, one of our afternoon guy or something did a stunt and sat on top of a roof for two weeks trying to get them to come, and they finally ended up coming. I don't know what the whole behind-the-scenes was of that, but I remember at that show I interviewed Duff, and I don't remember much about the interview, but I remember uh, Snake Sabo from Skid Row came in with him. Metallica was off the stage around 9 or 9.30. Guns N' Roses didn't take the stage till 11 o'clock, so there was a lot of downtime. There was... um. There was a cup and a shoe war going on, and because people were getting antsy, and then it took uh, one production guy to put like a girl popping her top on one of the big giant screens on on the stage, and that stopped that food and uh, cup war and everything. And uh, so I got to interview them, and uh, I got to interview Duff, I should say, that day, and I saw the other guys. It was cool. I'll never forget watching them pull in with like this police escort, and uh, they get out of the limo, and Slash walks to the back of the limo and gets his guitar out. I don't. I don't know. It's like you know. You got all these guitar stuff. You must have had one he really liked, or I, I don't know what the deal was with that. No, but I'll tell you a thing about that. About that show was it went till eleven o'clock. Super high profile. It was. It was. It was a great show. You know. Uh, I don't. I. I always got the feeling like the guys from Metallica were a little annoyed. And this is just me looking in from the outside. I don't have anything to back this up. But you know, obviously the whole thing happened with Montreal and all that n- nonsense. But uh. You know, um, at one point, Axel, I'll never forget, uh, there was this microphone skiing back. You know, he has those colorful microphones and stuff. And he launched that microphone through the air towards the um, sound booth, and I, you know, at the, like the 50-yard line or something. And you could hear it going through the air. It was so cool. And then it's like uh, somebody left that stadium that night. It was a pretty cool souvenir. <laughs> and then then the, we went to the after party. And I don't know if you guys know about these after parties at the time, but they had a different theme in each city. Like in Indianapolis, they had like a racing theme and different things. So in, in Buffalo that, that day, it was, um, it was a theme like a go-go dancers type theme. And, you know, Gilby was in there and Slash and everybody was in there. And, and uh, Axel walked right by us and uh, went into a hot tub with a bunch of girls, which I mentioned in an interview. You did? Uh, with Axel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then when uh, Axel, uh, he, he came out of that hot um, he was milling about around 4 o'clock or something. And uh, one of the, he bumped into one of our guys from the station. He's like, man, I thought you guys were so funny. I'm listening to you guys. Is he here? Is he not here? And you guys were cracking me up. You know, I think Axel kind of got a kick out of that kind of stuff, to be quite honest with you. But what I'm curious about, for, for you guys who have seen the original band, and I've mentioned, you know, age, I think, matters when you, you you're, the band comes into your consciousness. And I said this to Roberta Freeman and even our last episode with uh, Matt McKagan and, 
you know, his contributions to uh, Move to the City. And I'm like, that's one of my favorite songs because I'm, I grew up with GNR being a bigger band, not not just. Uh, I mean, obviously, I was very well aware of Appetite, but in my consciousness, and in my consciousness, they were already broken up. So I just wanted to see Axel. I mean, he was uh, Howard Hughes. He was somebody that you was. He wasn't out and about. He wasn't in the tabloids really. I just. I'm like, this is. Am I ever going to even see him ever? So anything I was craving for. So when I heard when I heard the leaks, I wanted to hear more i was interested for for you guys you know all those the rumors about it sounding you know it was going to be industrial uh maybe they wanted to change into like nine inch nails when you first started hearing the leaks what were your first impressions do you remember for well for me the very first time i heard any songs off of the record was in 2002 at that show at the palace um in Auburn hills uh and because i had not heard anything because nothing had leaked until then and i wasn't uh following the band too closely or anything and uh so in that night they did um the title track the blues madagascar and actually they did one of the only performances uh that they've ever done of uh Riyadh and the bedouins mm-hmm. and, for me, that uh, that I loved the title track. Um, I loved and still love the blues. Uh, I dug the hell out of Madagascar. And my review of Riyadh and the Bedouins as soon as it finished uh, was I turned to my buddy and said, "Swing and a miss, Axel," because um, it's just it's just an okay it's just an okay song and it's not anywhere near the level of the other ones. Um, so that was the first time I heard those, and I really liked them. I thought they were um, really good tunes. I thought they had a GNR feel to them. You know, it was one of the things that was a turning point for me where I was like, oh, yeah, this really is GNR because they all had a GNR um, feel to them. And then when the actual studio um, cuts started to leak, I want to say early 2006, um, better for me was the standout and still is that night they did that in irs and there was a time uh, all for the first time live and they were just just killer killer songs but one of the problems with the record when it came out for me was the leaks because uh 12 of the 14 tracks had leaked in pristine quality we're not talking about the mike piazza um eddie trunk sounding uh uh, leak of IRS, you know, where it sounds like somebody recorded it from somebody who recorded it from the radio. Right. I mean, these were pristine, mastered, you know, tracks that came out. So when I went running to Best Buy on the morning of the 23rd, I essentially I was buying two new Guns N' Roses songs because there's 14 tracks on the record mm-hmm. and I had already heard 12 of them, you know, in, in, in perfect quality. So, you know, the leaks definitely took away, um, from from hearing the record for the first time for me. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, I don't really recall listening to a lot of the uh, the leaks and stuff. Uh, like you know, you guys are probably better at that that you know talking about that stuff than I am. But but I liked where Guns and Roses was going because uh, I can't remember exactly where I was the first time I heard "Welcome to the Jungle." I was driving down a street in Buffalo and I heard that opening guitar riff and I'm like, "What is this?" And I turned it up and I actually told Axel about that after the interview I did with him. And it's one of those moments in life where you just you just don't forget it. And so then that record comes out and becomes a gigantic hit. And then they put out the EPs and different things. But then, you know, um, Use Your Lucens came out, uh, the one and two. And I kind of liked where they were going with The Strange and with uh, November Rain and different things like that. And I know some people may not like that. But uh, I, I kind of like the epicness of it. And, uh, you know, just uh, it, it, the first record to me was just like this dirty, grimy, uh, Los Angeles band, and all of a sudden it's like the second, you know, the user illusion records became like this kind of 
a polished machine that had a little bit more to offer. You know, like like uh, like watching that Queen movie. I was just you know, about they, to say that when yeah. that scene when they were talking about Bohemian Rhapsody, a, yeah. a, a night of the opera, and I found that. I thought it was brilliant what they did when they uh, put out Bohemian Rhapsody and they were showing all the negative reviews yeah, of this yeah. song. I'm like, whoa. You know, obviously somebody who wasn't alive at the time, I just grew up with Bohemian Rhapsody already being one of the best rock songs, if not songs of all time, that's ever been put out. Well, and, and just to, to, to see how negative it was perceived at the time, and that's why it's interesting to talk about Chinese now. So, I mean, you, you forget about the leaks, though. And you could be along with the path and be like, hey, you're a fan of Queen and seeing them grow. But this was a, a different band and, and a lot of a different sound. And I don't want to always be positive. Um, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be positive and honest, but I don't want to read all positive comments from you, the listeners. And this is from another uh, former radio guy. Uh, he used to work at WAAF in, in Boston, my friend uh, Chris Sweeney doesn't pull any punches or hold any punches. Uh, it's shit. <laughs> the fact that it comes out under the GNR name is a shame. A shit stain on the real band's legacy. Buckethead should choke on a bucket of fried chicken. I don't. Spoken I, like you a know, person I, who I, has I, never I, listened yeah. to the record. I will. I will give you a hundred dollars that says that person's never heard more than one song. Yeah, I, I said to him like, "Have you really listened to Buckethead's solo stuff?" I think anyone who really criticizes Buckethead can't get past his his look, which never bothered me. I just thought he was so different. And just so silly, you know, it wasn't like going over the top like a lot of people do now in, in mainstream media, or even though I'm a, I'm a Lady Gaga fan, it wasn't like her, uh, wearing a meat dress or anything crazy. He's just putting a bucket on his head and performing. And he, mm -hmm. th this album, that's what changed. When I started hearing the, the solos, you know, especially if there was a time, I'm like, whoa, like what is Yeah, yeah that solo's insane. The second solo. Yeah. So that so meltdown. Do you remember when you first heard this and wondering like, is this gonna work? You know, because like, were you around? Like, what did you think of? You know, when Van Halen got rid of uh, David Lee Roth or vice versa, and then Sammy Hagar came on. It's, it's it's a different band, but it's still good music. Did you? Yeah, it was it was different. It, it always like it always you know. Well, what's funny? Um, real fast uh, to back up for one second. One of the best lines in the Bohemian Rhapsody movie is when the guy at the uh, the the record guy says, "Kids will never." A uh, bang to their to the to the song in their car. <laughs> you, you know who that actor was? You said that, right? Yeah, who's that? Um, it's Mike Myers. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, was that him? Okay, I'm like looking at him the whole time, going, "Who is that?" That's yeah. Right, the, of course, that was kind of a that was kind of a play on you know Wayne and Wayne's World. Yeah, thing. yeah. So that's yeah. What, that's what made it brilliant. Obviously, that scene uh, didn't happen to you know uh, it, that exactly. It wasn't it wasn't said exactly like that, but that was uh, a kick. It was just it was it was, it was very funny. So. Again, that's how I'm. I'm glad you saw it recently, and now I saw it yesterday because I saw a lot of analogies between. I mean, other than the lineup changes, but just the the growth of the music and maybe getting backlash uh, after a while. Uh, I remember though hearing uh, the title track for the first time and thinking like, "This is the next welcome," and it made me think of like, "Whoa, Axel was even more than what I thought he was." Like, what, look you at know, uh to branch off of what Meltdown said about the progression of the band's sound, mm -hmm. if you think people are pissed at the title that the words Guns N' Roses are on that cover, they get real pissed if the album was called what I think it should be called, which is Use Your Illusion 3. Mm. Because That's if you listen to the progression from Appetite to, you know, Lies counts in a way, but then if you listen to the progression from Appetite to Use Your Illusion, like, I don't care who doesn't like it. The, the Chinese Democracy record is the natural progression of that band from, you know, going in order of the way that they're, they evolved. 
And uh, me personally, I, I absolutely think it's a natural progression from Use Your Illusion. So if the record was called anything other than Chinese Democracy, that's what I would have put on the cover, and that would have really pissed everybody off. Mm, no, well, I, and then, like, uh-huh. you know, you're, like you're talking about the guy saying, uh, you know, about the, um, uh, uh, you know, the, they shouldn't call it Guns and Roses. There's, I think there's some legitimacy to that, to that argument. That being said, I don't lose, I didn't lose any sleep over it. It's like they want to call Axl Rose's Guns N' Roses, like the Jack White's Crate White or someone's like, whatever. But it's <laughs> right. like, but you know what? Um, When I was talking to Slash a couple months ago, I, and I asked him about that four-hour show they did. He told me that, that you know, they had all those songs, you know, they, they rehearsed and practiced, like, all those songs. So even all the ones off Chinese Democracy and stuff, uh, slash new, you know, and I, like I said, once again, it, my interview was like eight, eight and a half minutes, whatever it was. So I can't like dive into it, you know, deep with them, but you know, that's kind of what you said, but you know, people can, uh, bitch about the record I, that where I stand, I think it's one of the most underrated records out there. So, and back to what, what I mm-hmm. said right after you mentioned that is me personally, in my experience, in 90% of the people that I've talked to, if they have a negative opinion of the record, it comes out over the course of the conversation that they never actually listened to the record. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the problem that I have. Anybody I know who's given that record a chance will find something that they like on the album, if not break down and admit that it's actually a good record. And that's the big problem that I have with anybody who um, <clears throat> talks shit about the record, because whenever I've got into a conversation with them, it always comes out, well, I didn't actually give it a chance. Well, then shut your mouth. You don't, you know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't have an opinion on something you've never heard before. You know, I agree with that. Brando, you were just talking, you were talking a few minutes ago about, do we ever see him? You know, like I said, I saw, you know, Guns N' Roses with, uh, with Axel and Slash or whatever on that Metallica tour, that infamous tour, which by the way, I mean, I talked to James about this uh, last year in 2017 or whatever. It's like that tour. I can't think of another tour that's, I mean, first of all, Guns N' Roses and Metallica are playing stadiums in 1992. Guns N' Roses and Metallica are playing stadiums in 2018. Isn't that something? It's like, when is the next Guns N' Roses and Metallica going to start to pop? You know what I mean? Um, but that being said, it's like when uh, I talked to Slash, uh, like I said, a, a couple months ago, <clears throat> when Duff and Slash walk out on stage in, in Detroit in April, or I'm sorry, in June of 2017 for their first stadium show on that tour, and then Axel runs out behind him. The hair on my arm stood up, and I'm like, "Holy crap! I can't even believe this." And that was like, I can't remember the last time I had a moment like that where I'm like, "This is unbelievable." And listen, you guys are the Guns N' Roses fanatics. I get that. I'm a Guns N' Roses fan. I grew up with them, played them on the radio for years and years and years. But when I saw that, I was like, "Oh my god!" I couldn't even. I couldn't even. Couldn't even believe it. It's funny when you you mentioned that, you know, I saw him in 91, 92, and 93, and then I flew out to Vegas in April of 2016 to see him uh, out there with the three of them back together. And it was the same, same feeling. And it will, for me though, a third or fourth song, whenever they played Chinese, you could have picked my job off the floor. I was like, I can't believe I'm standing here watching Flash play the main riff to Chinese democracy. This is insane, yeah. you know? Um, but oh, to your point, that show here in uh, Detroit, um, you know, I had already seen it. It was, you know, it was still awesome. But uh, I, when Estranged started, I got texts from four different friends who were all over the um, arena, and all four of them who were not, you know, these were different friends who weren't, weren't together in the same group, all sent me texts that were a variant of like, I just got choked up, or you know, hey man, I'm getting teary over this, or whatever. You know, like people were just like stunned and amazed to to see it. You know, to see the three of them back together. 
I thought I would never yeah. see it. I, I thought when I saw them in 2002, it was kind of like seeing, uh, I don't know, like Haley's Comet. Like I was something, I was seeing something that was there and going to be gone. And well, the 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 tour did end pretty much the next day when they never made it to. Yeah, gonna, to, yeah but to at Philly. least you got a whole show. Yeah. Uh, in uh, Detroit, in Detroit in 2002, uh, we we got all the way up till Patience, and then <laughs> House Lights the end. See, that's <laughs> so, yeah, but you know, never... Brando, it's like you're talking about that. It's like uh, uh, what you saw in 2002, as far as I'm concerned, was a shell of Guns N' Roses. Look, Slash, um, you, you know, it, once again, going back to that Bohemian Rhapsody movie, uh, Freddie Mercury leaves and goes and does stuff on his own. My wife and I were talking about that on the way uh, out of the movie here. I'm like, I don't remember Freddie Mercury solo records. They must not have been very good. It's like, I don't really recall them. Maybe they were great. I don't know. But it's like, when you take Slash and Axel and put them in different areas, you know, Slash has been playing the theaters and opened up for bands since Guns N' Roses. You put them together and there's magic, just like with, you know, Dave and, you know, whoever. You know, it's like, you know, you, you can't just separate them like that. I know. It's funny. I was thinking, like, did Freddie Mercury put out solo records? I don't. I don't recall them, to be quite honest with you. He had, he had one solo record. It was called Mr. Bad Guy, and it's terrible. Well, I thought... <laughs> the only one, because in that movie, he said he had a contract for two, and he said he, he was working on the second one at one point or whatever. Right, and yeah, I think that's the, when the they got back one, together. The first one failed so spectacularly that the second one never came. See, that's amazing. And, a lot, and you wouldn't think someone like Freddie Mercury, like, he would fail. And a lot of the, the analogy I really think that may fit best might be Black Sabbath. It's like you wouldn't think that... Ozzy, maybe he would fail. And look at what he, he he became bigger than Black Sabbath, you could argue. And oh, I would, yeah. In the, movie, in the Queen movie, Freddie Mercury says, yeah, those guys I hired to do to work my uh, solo record did everything I wanted them to do. There was no pushback. That was part of the thing, I think. You know that, and, I, I, and I thought of Chinese democracy in that time. Like, well, you might not tell Bu- Bucket what to do. He's going to do his own thing. But it's, it's it loses that that feel. So there are actually a lot of good comments uh, I want to based upon things that we just we, we just uh, spoke about that uh, fans are, are relating to. Uh, Juliet Elias said, I consider it as a solo album, but I love it. Uh, John Larkin said, it's rubbish. If it was a solo album, I probably would like it more but hated that era of, of the Gunners. But this one is uh, I, I do like from uh, Tyler uh, Vickery. Uh, still my absolute favorite, uh, favorite album of all time. Everything that surrounded the album, years of anticipation, the years of online gossip and rumors and leaks and legends and sporadic live shows and tours and all the weird stuff that happened post-2000, it just kind of became this huge part of me and my love for the band. I think the album is brilliant. So it's, just, it's, it's interesting how... Axel didn't. He had. He was like set up for failure, but he didn't fail like Freddie Mercury. He. It was a. Well, yeah, that's true. But you know, it's funny. Uh, I I told Russ about this before, and uh, Brando. Maybe when we get done, I'll tell you exactly what was said. But uh, uh um, a friend of ours <laughs> described this record. Um, I'm not going to give you the exact description he said, but he said that uh, you know, they kept adding stuff and adding stuff and adding stuff to this record, and so like you know, where you could say like. You know, the first record, uh, Appetite, was like, you know, it was it was two guitars, a bass, drums, vocals. You know, this one had, like, layer upon layer upon layer. And quite frankly, I don't know. I'm a fan, and I, I, I've always thought that, uh, I, I don't know, I just always thought that Axel did a good job of that. I mean, you look at a song like November Rain, which at the time was, I don't know if it was, it was you know, revolutionary, but it was, uh, it was a pretty epic song with a great video. It, like, had everything going for it. Great guitar solo. 
I mean, it just had all sorts of stuff going for it, and it, it was like it was like more than just the two guitars. It was thing. like the Bohemian Rhapsody yeah. of the time, in a way. Exactly. Yeah. It was. It was. It was. They really plowed stuff into it, and it's funny because uh, Russ and I have talked about this before that because there's so much crap on that record, sometimes certain songs in the vinyl uh, copies sound like garbage. <laughs> mm. But it, obviously, the CDs sound great, and the you know downloads and whatnot. So. Uh, this one is, is is to Russ actually. You got a fan comment. Uh, this is from Ian oh, uh, McCollin. Do you know that? <laughs> Tell Russ it's better than any Jacko album. Oh, good lord! Uh, for me, it was it Michael hush, Jackson. Hush up your face! That's, that's <laughs> the single greatest pop artist in the history of a game you're talking about. That'll be enough. That'll be enough for that. Well, Ian continues Michael, saying... Mike, uh, first of all, it's not Jacko. It's Michael Joseph Jackson, and he's the single greatest <laughs> entertainer to ever walk the stage. So whoever that is, whoever that is, go ahead and give them an at and tell them I said, hush up your mouth. <laughs> well, he continues saying that for me, which a lot of people feel, a CD, a Chinese, is mixed is a mix of a few poor songs that should have stayed in the vault and a few excellent, above-average rock songs. Tracks 3, 10, 12, and 13 are superb. It's it's quite the gamut of, of feelings. It, it really is, and everything, all the points that you guys are bringing up make sense. And what I always think about 10 years later, this album, and Axel at the time with the the braids, and just like, and it was just set up for, for failure, and, and just for everyone to attack him and, and to really bury it. You know, how he wanted to bury Appetite. I feel like the media was ready to bury Chinese, and it's really interesting that, yeah, Slash and Doff are now playing Chinese democracy songs live as of a couple days ago. You know, it's, it's well, maybe uh, you just answered your own question as to why he didn't promote it himself. Maybe he was afraid of that. You know, it's, it's like when Lars and James and those guys have to go out uh, for years after uh, St. Anger and kind of uh, defend of that record. Maybe mm-hmm. Axel didn't want to do that. Maybe he just wanted to put it out there and and see what the people said. I mean, I could be totally wrong. I'm just guessing, but who knows? Mm. Has, have any of your thoughts changed 10 years later? When, you, when I first got it, this is when I was going, I guess, I don't know uh, what your, I don't know what your, your entire radio path is, uh, Meltdown, but I had to travel a lot uh, at the beginning stages, so I would drive from may not make any sense to most people, I guess, unless you're from the area, but I would drive from Brooklyn up to Poughkeepsie, which is about a two-hour drive for WPDH there, and that's when Chinese came out, and this was, you know, really before uh, you had, like, a USB port in your car, and, and it, just, it was just, like, before you really had a—you can listen to whatever you want, like, you can, you can in 2018. I felt like people really listened to albums more so at that time. And I would listen. That may be true, but yeah, but you talk to artists and stuff, but it's like, look, um, you know, radio may not be what it was at one day, at one point in, in life, but uh, you can tell the singles <laughs> just just by when they're played. Oh, absolutely. Stage, you know, but the, the interesting um, thing was what I want to get to is that I would listen to the album in full. Uh, I didn't yeah. skip over any tracks. I mean, maybe now that's not that might be the difference. I, I'll skip over uh, scraped. Um, and and Riyadh and the Bedouins. I, I'm I'm with you, Russ. Even though uh, Ken Begora said, saw the debut of Chinese Riyadh and uh, the Blues. Of course, Street of Dreams. Now, I, I, I guess he, I guess he was at the Vegas show. And after hearing the studio version of Riyadh, I realized how well Axel sang it live. So maybe it was better live. Um, but I I didn't skip over any tracks. And it was the last album I feel that was actually not to be redundant, but an album. That if I listen to it all the way through, it's a it's a work of art. 
And it's if you just listen sporadically to Chinese or just another random track, you may not get it. These people who criticize who never really listen to it. And, and another thing, and you can you guys can tell me if it was instant for you. Uh, it took me three listens really to absorb uh, Chinese. This is from uh, Stephanie Harvell. Took a minute. Uh, but I'm addicted, and it was uh, the highlights of both concerts that I attended to in the last two years. The sound is incredible. I go uh, to it when I'm in a dark mood and don't feel like feeding the rage with appetite, just to kind of be. It's freakishly well-written, as is the rest, but in a different way. I can't believe, as big of a fan as I am, it took me as long as it did to get a hold of it, but it's equally well, uh, equally played now for sure. So that's how I am. It took me three times. I remember the first time... I listened to If the World, the one that he later explained that was kind of like a James Bond kind of song. And out of my mouth, it, listening to it, my CD player was, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and I love that song now. It, but it was like, what the fuck is this coming in with this falsetto guitar? I'm like, this is nothing like I've heard on The Illusions or Appetite. Like, I don't know what is going on here. And I thought the vocal stylings were, you know, different. I wasn't sure if that was really Axel on Madagascar, the octave that he was at. So yeah. it, it, it took me a bit, but as I said, I would listen to the whole album all the way through once I got it. And it's still, like Stephanie, it's in my rotation with the rest of the GNR albums. So I don't know how yeah, you guys well, feel. Same for me. Yeah, yeah Russ knows what a big vinyl fan I am. I and mean, one of the reasons that I've got back into vinyl, too, is because someone explained this to me a couple months ago. They're like, "Yeah, when you put a when you put the needle down on a vinyl record, you know, you're kind of committed." Mm. I don't really like skipping around. I want to hear the record the way it was it was supposed to be listened to, and that's by listening to track to track. You know, some artists, and maybe I'm speaking old school or whatever, but some artists actually <laughs> tracks in certain order because that's the way they want to do, it, and that's the way they want it listened to. When you start skipping around, doing all this crap, it's like it's just it's just not for me. This record, like I was just listening to it actually today. And it's like, um, I don't know, I just I just like listening to the whole thing all the way through. Like I said, that being said, though, there was a time for me as the peak of this record as far as I'm concerned. The way Axel sings it, the guitar solos, uh, everything that that song is just about. I, mean, I just think that's like the top one. You know, like you just said about sequencing, I think sequencing with that record is super important. Like as a sidebar, there's a Pearl Jam album, uh, No Code, that is the enemy of all things sequencing. Like if you put on any one track from No Code, you go, oh my god, what a, what a killer Pearl Jam track! I haven't heard this in forever. But if you listen to No Code straight through, the sequencing of the songs is so poor uh, that it's a hard album to listen to, even though the the songs in as one-offs are great. And with Chinese, you know, I don't I don't think it's a mistake that there was a time is right there in the middle of the record. It's like this album starts off and you're not really sure what to think of it, you know, and and and, and then it really starts to ramp up and then you know the masterpiece of the record which most people agree that's it's one of the best songs on the record is right there in the middle and then you know it kind of goes back down the, the the other side of the mountain um and then if you listen to the outro of prostitute it, again it's done that way on purpose like the long drawn out outro on prostitute if you've never done this i highly encourage you to really crank the end of that uh that's on like the last minute and a half or so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and you can hear uh, Bucket doing it. It's like, like four finger or I'm sorry, eight finger uh, uh, tapping and stuff. And it just kind of all fades away and the, and the um, piano comes up and everything. And the sense, and it, it's literally like, you know, the, the way I described it the first time I heard it, it's like a, an alien spaceship, like, like taking off. 
you know, like, like this big thing happened and then, you know, it's kind of like just kind of goes away into the ether. Um, the other thing that reminds me of, I don't know if either of you are big, big enough Floyd guys for this, but the very end of the wish you were here album, the way that, um, shine on your crazy diamond ends on the uh, second side of that record. It's kind of the same thing. The song, the album just sort of floats away. And I think that that's, you know, like I say, I think there's a reason why there was a time is right there in the middle of the record. And I definitely think that there's a reason why, you know, prostitute was saved for the end because of the way that the song ends. And it's, it's not, it's not quote, just the last song on the record. It's like the, 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 the finishing statement of the album it really you know, is so yeah and what meltdown like that, that sequencing is such a lost art um and with the the way people listen to things like you know, it's not that you're old school it's that people are turning towards doing things incorrectly um and, that, and that's one that's such a lost art james murphy well, actually like, said before that uh he said buckethead solo and there was a time is good enough to reason to buy it epic like yeah. just that solo and in addition to cranking up the end of ending a prostitute which to me is the single best finisher to an album I've ever heard. Like I it, maybe sh- Shine on Your Crazy Diamond is a great analogy for that. Uh, and I've cranked up all of it, you know. And again, it took me uh, a while to process what I was listening to, but immediately there was a time prostitute where I'm like, holy shit, like this is. And just the way that the record starts with Chinese Democracy, where you know it fades in and all that kind of stuff. I'm the kind of guy that goes to concerts. And I don't want to get there 15 minutes after the band's taking the stage. I want to see how they take the stage. Now, I'm not talking about like, you know, like pods, like in Spinal Tap or something, but it's <laughs> like, it's like kind of, you know, there's, I don't know. I'm just one of those guys where I want to, you know, I like that, how it starts and it kind of builds and builds and builds. And then just, you know, there's like the solo guitar riff comes I in. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think it's great. And then, you know, you've, you've waited for all those years and all of a sudden, bang, there's Axel. You know what I'm saying? That That's cool. So, it's funny you mention that because in 2002, the song didn't have that big, huge intro yet. It was literally just, it was a mid-set, mid-set uh, number. And, you know, Axel didn't do a lot of talking on that tour. So you'd just be sitting there and they'd come out of, you know, whatever, think about you or something that they were playing at that time. And the stage lights would be down and it would just, and they'd go right into the song. So in 2006, when I saw him at the Hammerstein, they opened the encore with Chinese and that intro was played for the very first time. The one that ended up being on the record soon as Robin hit that main riff and cause none of us knew what it was. It could have even been a brand new song for, for all I knew. So it got all through that. And as soon as Robin hit that riff, I turned to my buddy. I said, if that's not the opening track, when the record comes out, I'm not buying it. Hmm. <laughs> you know, because it's like that's, you know, and then of course the whole next, whatever Jesus, uh, eight years of touring, that was the opening track that they did and they did it that way, you know, with the, you know, all the lights and the video and everything going along with that. And like you said, as soon as it, you know, bam, fireworks and there's Axl Rose and everybody in the place shits their pants, you know? Well, that's mm-hmm. like, I, so when I saw the tour, I saw the Axl Rose guns and roses at the uh, joint in Las Vegas. If I'm not mistaken, uh, DJ Ashbaugh was placed behind the drums uh, yeah. on top yep. of a riser to, to play that riff. Yeah. What's interesting about the record and uh, now and then is, I guess, just the organic feel of it. So, you know, even though I, I liked it, it's like like when I saw GNR with, in '02 with Bucket and MSG and uh, with 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 DJ, I think wait, was it was the Hammerstein, and I saw them up in uh, 
in Ottawa when the Suicide Girls opened for them. And I always enjoyed everything, but there was always something like I felt missing and I didn't know what it was. And there are some fan comments saying that, oh, here we go, Thomas uh, Jennison. Uh, I think the only thing missing, the reason why it wasn't praised, it, uh, that it was missing the sound and feeling of Slash's guitar tone. And to piggyback on that, this is from uh, Dirk saying it's an overproduced mess. You know, again, uh, everyone has their opinion, which is which is cool. Uh, if they had released uh, the version they had in 0102, it could have been so much better. But after recording it five times and adding layer uh, after adding layer over layer over layer, it lost its organic feel. Uh, but there are some good songs uh, beneath those 5,000 layers of guitar overdubs and weird noises. And then now we have Axe, we have Slash and, and Duff playing these songs. So it's like who has ownership of these riffs? And, and I, I, I miss Bucket. It's weird. Like, I, I want to hear Bucket playing these tunes. The I, only I get... thing I want, I, you know, and <clears throat> I, it'll never happen. <clears throat> Me personally, I want Robin Fink to come back. Just to, uh, all I want is for him to play his own This I Love solo uh, one time because – uh, me personally, that's my favorite solo on the record. Um, mm. I, it can't. I, the the feeling in that solo is insane. And slash change. DJ, well, DJ Ashba at the. Um, you know, I'll just he didn't do well. I'll leave it at that because if not, I'm going to go off for another hour about my thoughts on him. But <laughs> uh, he he did not do the solo well. Um, slash started out trying to play it very close to the record. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, like trying like he couldn't do it. Um, but he, he the fir- if you listen to the, the early versions in 2016 when he first came back, um, his solos were, were, were very similar to what Robin did on the record. And now uh, he hits that first note, and then it's just a bunch of shredding uh, for the rest of the, uh, the rest of solo, which is a real bummer for me because Slash is one of the most um, – he puts some of the most feeling in his solos that you'll ever hear in recorded music. And uh, he, you can just tell that he doesn't really put any feeling into that solo at all live. And that's a bummer, but man, if I, if I had my way, I would it, it just one time. I want to hear Robin uh, play that. solo, his, his own solo on that. Cause I got to see Robin do his own, the, the middle solo. And there's, there was a time uh, the first solo in the song is Robin Fink. Um, and the first time I ever heard the song live, Robin played his own part uh, at the Hammerstein Ballroom. Uh, and then Bumblefoot played the second solo. And he, he, being the master that he is, he note for noted uh, Bucket's solo on it. So for me, that was cool enough to hear, you know, someone do exactly what Bucket did. Uh, but at least I got to see Robin play that one solo. But man, I would love to see uh, Robin play his own solo on that song. I, in my opinion, it's the best solo on the record. And I know that... It's probably going to get a whole bunch of replies on Twitter, just uh, this alone. But, I mean, no disrespect to that second solo in there. was a time. It's incredible. But for me, that one is the masterpiece on the record. I hear you because, for me, that's—and this may get me tweets—that uh, saved that song for me. Oh, I totally agree. It's, uh, yep, I was just going to say that, actually. It's worth listening to that song just to get to that solo. It, it's it's weird because that, that song I, I listened to and— I just wish, and it's on my own personal preference, of course, that it was dropped live, because it's just something that, you know, yeah, Axel can hit all these octaves, and you know, and I'm not even talking about like his voice then versus now, like right. he's still capable of doing what he needs to do, but it's just even like on the record itself, I keep like I always listen to it like he's about to go out of key, but he doesn't. He stays in this weird, 
range of just like it's just not in his pocket, but it's not off. It's not bad. And it was just weird for me that him to have him sing that style. Like yes, he can he can sing, he can do, you know, uh patience, he can he can sing not with the rasp, but this was something like he was trying to sound like Elton John this time around. Like it was just something right. really it wasn't for me. And then when that solo came around, I'm like, all right, this is cool. But what's interesting is uh, my girlfriend who's more about Dave Matthews Band. She's seen them like 40 times. That song, uh, This I Love, came on my, my Spotify, and I was like, you know, I'm curious what she thinks of this because I feel like only a diehard GNR fan would like it. She's like, no, I like this. I like this tune. So it's, again, it's, it's you know, a matter, of, a matter of personal opinion for everybody, but it was just one of those songs that maybe 10 years later, I'm like, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't need to hear This I Love. Again, I, I, when I again I listen to that album, I think it has scratches in it. You know the amount of times uh, I listen to CDs, CD. This is going to switch gears a little bit, but I had this in my notes, and I'm not sure how much longer we're going to go. So I, I really want to get both of your opinion on something. And if you haven't heard about this, I can uh, fill you in a little bit. So we can only go for a few more minutes. I mean, I know uh, Meltdown has some autograph signings to go to, and right, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a big, big line of folks waiting for him uh, at my house to uh, have him sign some autographs. Well, I'm sure you, uh, you guys are going to like a uh, Sergey Fedorov, Steve Eiserman, Chris Osgood house party or something. I don't know. I'm just trying. Party, to... Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. I'm just so bringing up. Tell him why'd you tell him that, dude? <laughs> yeah. Um, so this this may start start out odd, but I really want to get your guys' opinion on this. Did either of you happen to hear what happened with that Mariah Carey album last week? Right, Cal. I promise this. I promise this is gonna. This is gonna relate to Chinese democracy in a minute. Did either of you hear about this news story? Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I no, have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. So check this out. So Mariah Carey had this uh, garbage movie come out like uh, 15 years ago or so called Glitter. Glitter. Okay. Either, no. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So the, the the soundtrack for that record uh, for that movie completely bombed because the movie bombed. Like the movie was truly awful and deserved to bomb, but the record, uh, many, many, many Mariah Carey fans feel like the record really got a raw deal because of it being associated with the movie. It's the soundtrack for the movie, the movie shit, so of course the record's going to fail too. So here's how this all comes full circle. So there is a Mariah Carey fan who started a Twitter campaign called Hashtag Justice for Glitter, <laughs> and they got that record to number one on iTunes last week. That's insane. It's like a 15-year-old Mariah Carey record that no one on earth cares about anymore. And they did so well with the social media campaign that it got to number one on the iTunes chart. She just had a new record come out. And this old record that's associated with a terrible film because of the passion that the fans showed um, ended up making it to number one. Which is crazy. Sounds like she's got a lot of dumb fans. <laughs> <laughs> well, now hold on. Uh, my my question about that is, do you think anything like that could ever be done for Chinese? Like, if if enough rumbling was made of people saying, "Okay, listen, you're only calling this shit because you've never actually listened to it," you know, do you think that record could be raised, you know, from the very very dead state that it's in? And ever because you know both you two have referred to it as incredibly underrated in meltdown. You said it's one of the most underrated records of all time, right? Do you think it could ever get enough attention to where people actually take a listen and uh, you know 
maybe start to respect and, and, and have it gain some popularity, or do you think there's just no hope for that record? Well, as, as far as I'm concerned, I think that uh, that uh, the push it got with those guys actually playing the songs on the tour was more than it got when it first came out, to be quite honest with you. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. it's like when they're playing uh, songs off Chinese democracy in front of sold-out stadiums, and look, they played the – you know, however many millions of people on this, you know, not in this lifetime tour and stuff. So I'm not sure how much it could, you know, get a push right now. I don't know how much Mariah Carey plays the songs off Glitter, which I've never seen and I'm not even really <laughs> familiar with. But uh, uh, anyway, so, uh, I mean, I don't know. I think I kind of think maybe that ship has kind of sailed a little bit since, you know, the, since, you know, look, Slash and Duff kind of gave it their stamp of approval by playing tracks off it, you know, and, and doing it, you know, really well. So, I don't know. Who knows? It depends. I mean, and again, to go back to Bohemian Rhapsody, I mean, it, it, it debuted in number one because of the movie, of course, you know, years after it was actually released. But what I'm kind of thinking might be the major difference, because anything is pos- possible, good or bad, with social media nowadays, is that the GNR fan base is so divided and a lot of it is toxic and i do appreciate the comments uh, i i retweeted it where, where do you get that impression www.mygnrforum.com <laughs> 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 my gnr forum does a uh, a wonderful job policing the best i can i'm talking like other you know it could be no, other. i know what you mean i know there's i mean i don't want to call, they, they follow me they appreciate it's another gnr fan site maybe they'll appreciate the uh the shout out it's like g uh gnf and roses I think like a lot of people don't. Yeah, yeah. They're pretty uh, willingly negative. They're aware of it, and you know they'll they'll make fun of Axel's weight and all that fun stuff. Uh, fun stuff, I say facetiously. Uh, mm-hmm. But unless we kind of just came together and be like, you know, this is our band, you know, whatever version of it existed. Like I feel like Kiss fans are better. The Kiss Army is more together. You know, of course they 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 might want Ace over Tommy and things of that, but they're still gonna go see. Kiss. They still love Kiss, unless GNR fans, you know, united and stop like fighting over dumb shit. Which is, I mean, that's human nature, I guess. It's not just GNR fans. Then I think it's possible if we all kind of got on the same page and be like, you know what, rock and roll sucks right now. Uh, the best rock record to come out in the past decade was Chinese Democracy. The world needs to know it again. Let's get it back. Uh, let's get it up there. Let's let's you know. Let's have uh, Chuck Klosterman write another review of it that's glowing, and maybe people will pay attention to it this time around. Yeah. See, and then what's funny is I would have never even given something like that another thought, but then that Mariah Carey story resonated with me because I thought, you know, no one cares about that about that movie or that record, and the fact that they were able to get that done, I thought, holy crap! But yeah, you know, that's probably the thing too. Is it's probably easier for her fan base when you have one person you know what i mean like you, the people right people in her fan base don't have to uh, argue over the fact that uh like you you want to talk about one of the worst times for me to try and police the, the gnr uh forum was uh the day after uh, they showed up with melissa and the band mm. you want to talk about some ignorant uh beyond sexist posts you know that people were making comments and it's like you do understand women are allowed to play music in front of people right <laughs> like you know like that's allowed. And, uh, you know, so, you know, with Mariah Carey, it's just the one person, you know, so I doubt anyone's arguing over who's in her, uh, you know, touring band or who plays on her records or whatever. So with GNR, you know, they started out with five, they got up to, I think eight 
uh, in the band at one point. And I, I think now there's seven people in the band or whatever. So I think, you know, like you said, if, if, if unity is the key, we're never going to get there as a GNR fan base. Because I'm just reading. So when that, I go talk to mm-hmm. my wife after this and she says, how'd it go? And I say, well, we talked about Mariah Carey for 10 minutes. <laughs> you could do that. No, we, t- <laughs> we talked about social media's effect on music sales for 10 minutes. <laughs> I, I want to make Mariah Carey resonating with you. Those words I never want to hear come out of your mouth again. I consider you a friend. <laughs> I'll tell you what, next time you go down to my record bins, don't look in the section then because i've got uh, at least at least three rlps so i don't have glitter though <laughs> hey, until, until tomorrow she had uh she had some hits back in the day i know now she doesn't really sing and goes through the motions and that's something else too it's funny you know uh she'll lip sync or what was it that christmas thing last year where she just like gave up in the middle of it because it wasn't the, the right? Eve show, yeah yeah so she's you know doing a little bit of an axle right now or what we perceived as axle for a bit because he's being he's been a good boy but I mean, just from the, some of the fan comments, and I haven't even gone through them all. It's people's, even though it's it's like you know what? It's it's a lot like the reviews of Chinese Democracy. It leans positive. I think it's it's more than fifty percent positive, way more than fifty percent positive. But there's still plenty of negativity out there or mixed feelings out there. So, you know, whether it's Chinese to get up there in the top, which I think would be really cool, not appetite. I know the greatest hits. I don't, is it? I don't know. If it, it could still be there. I'm not. I'm not even. I wish I. I should know that off the top of my head. I think it is. I think you're right. Yeah. So things of like that wouldn't be that much of a feat. But they get Chinese democracy. I think that would be a huge victory for Axel, and I think for the band going forward if they're going to continue to play these these tracks live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, we can we can end here with. Um, Maybe your thoughts of what you, which again is only going to be thoughts of what we, you think are, is going to happen going forward. You know, we we played the part of uh, Meltdown's interview with Axel from 2002 that this was supposed to be a three album uh, deal. You know, Sebastian Bach has said the same thing about about this. Uh, what do you expect? I know they're they're doing dates overseas right now. Uh, you know, Slash is still he's you know just put out a new uh, record. I know Duff is. Working on something super secret, I only know from, you know, people I can't say anything about. I don't even know what it is. I just know he's working on something. Um, I don't think GNR is done. But what do you foresee happening in the future? Is they're gonna are they gonna continue just doing what they're doing now, like not in this lifetime continued playing the hits mixed? Me, me personally, I don't know how how Meldon feels about this. I, me personally, I think they've entered what I call the Eagles or the Rolling Stones phase of their career. Um, I think this is, I don't want to be this pessimistic, but, you know, uh, GNR history has taught me uh, to be this pessimistic. I personally think that going forward, we're going to see recycled versions of the same tour with different formats and, you know, probably uh, more reissues, hopefully no more insanely overpriced uh, box sets. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I would be shocked and amazed if there's not at least another compilation that comes out, uh, maybe with one new track on it or something along those lines. But as far as new material from GNR, um, I, again, I don't want to speak for meltdown, but I, I would be stunned and amazed if we see any more new material from them. I think it's, uh, I think they're pretty firm in the, in the, uh, Rolling Stones era of their uh, their career, in my opinion. And before Meltdown's Man. response, but I'm just curious: Do you want new material? Do you want that, uh, Russ? Me? me? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like I say, uh, 
you know, Chinese is, uh, you know, my favorite Guns N' Roses album. Uh, and I, um, you know, I, I just, I would love to hear more of, of even, you know, obviously anything that would come out would be uh, reworked versions of whatever is involved. That's kind of why um, I ask, and, right? Cause... Yeah. And and that's fine. You know, um, you know, um, you know, I just, it was, uh, I would love to see more material come out from GNR. I don't care if it's songs they wrote yesterday or if it's songs that were written in 1997. Um, you know, I I would love to see it. I just don't see it happening. Uh, very quickly before we get to Meltdown's uh, opinion on this, uh, I just received a text message from a friend of mine who said that uh, uh, he uh, didn't have time to join us today, uh, but he wanted to give uh, everybody on the call a big hello. So from Ron Thal, a big hello to the AFD podcast, Meltdown, and Brando. That's really nice. That's uh, Thank you for – thank Bumblefoot, but thank you, Russ, for actually saying that. So maybe – that opens the door for the future. Because again, I'll just fucking talk to him about fucking matzo balls in Brooklyn, like what, and Sons of Apollo. It doesn't always have to be. I'll, I'll, I'll tell him that. <laughs> Thank you. People are always like, I got one comment on my GNR forum saying, like, you always say that you're Jewish. Like, we get it. It's just my. It, it makes people laugh. I don't know what this, I don't know what else to say. It's just it's it's my go-to into into to bring people together. My Jewness, anyway. <laughs> On that note, uh, meltdown. What are your 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 thoughts about well, the future, and what do you what do you want? You know, you know. All I can tell you is like like I said before, Slash says that 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 he's pretty confident. I think those were his actual words that he's pretty confident there will be some new Guns and Roses stuff coming out in the future. Uh, that being said, I don't expect to see it anytime soon uh, because obviously, uh, you know, Slash is for the record out like you said. He's got a, you know a tour coming up and the whole thing that's probably going to consume a lot of his uh, year, but this is, you know, the two thousands. And I talk with, about this with bands all the time on my talk and rock podcast that like, you know, you don't have to be in the same room to record anymore. So they could be working on stuff right now. Who knows? I, I don't know, you know what's going to happen. I would love to hear some new stuff. Like I said, the chills and it, that went up and down my spine when, you know, Duff and Slash and Axel uh, took to the stage and now to have them, you know, work on stuff. I guess my only concern would be I would want this to be like an actual group album and not like Axl Rose, you know, doing stuff and then, you know, Slash just kind of, you know, uh, coming along. I, I right. want them to actually sit down together like like in the, 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 um, the Queen uh, doc, uh, movie that we saw, you know, where, you know, he, everyone got together and did their thing, you know. Uh, so I would love it, you know, personally. I don't think that they're the, as far as the Eagles and the Stones. I mean, obviously the Stones are, you know, a good 20 years older than – most of these guys, but uh, I get I get Russ's point. I do too. I, I do, and but I think we all could agree that ten years later, you know, it will be exactly ten years this Friday that we would not have thought that Axel and Slash would be talking, let alone playing Chinese mo- democracy material together. So, ten years, yeah, made, oh, hell no. ten yeah. years is a lot, but at the same time, it's not. So uh, it's I think it's great because a lot of years were lost. Um, that they're 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 making up for it. If anything, just for friendship, because he's a recent picture that Cat uh, put up uh, is just them smiling backstage, and I don't think she's like, oh, smile for the camera. She's just ca- capturing a uh, an organic moment. So ten years later, since Chinese Democracy, when we were, you know, just holding on to the leaks because it would never come out. You know, uh, I I went to Best Buy that opening day, bought the CD, bought the vinyl. You know, I, every time I got a chance to see them, I thought it was my last. 
and the fact that this this, this not in this lifetime tour is, is still going extremely strong is just um I think it's it's just wonderful for all the fans. Whatever version you like the best, whatever songs you like the best, I think it's it's just a good thing. It it all the way around. It you really have to be looking hard to find the negative because you, yeah, you, can, you know and like that's what for me like and again we talked about this like the the divide of the fans i don't i i truly don't understand how you can find anything wrong here because my thing is you know let's let's say you are that guy who because there are fans who have listened to the record and, and don't like it i've got about half a forum full of them on uh my gnr who really tried to like the record and i don't think you should have to try to like art and right. you either make a connection right. with it or you don't right so you know for that guy you know, you go in, they open with, you know, It's So Easy and, and, and Jungle and Brownstone and whatever. You know, when they go into Chinese, go take a piss and get a beer. You know, like, what? you know what I mean? Like, by the same token, every single time they've ever started uh, Think About You, uh, and I've seen them do it plenty of times, I instantly go for a piss and the beer. Like, it's just not my jam, right? Mm. But you don't see me, you don't see me telling anybody to listen, you know, uh, Hey man, did you have a good time with the GNR show last night? Oh no, it was terrible, man. They played for three hours and they did one song that was three minutes long that I didn't like in the middle. <laughs> you know, like you know. So if you're a fan of GNR at all, there's literally something from every era at every single show. And if they do a song that you don't like, like I said, you know, whatever, man, go get it, you know, have a piss and get a beer or whatever. You know, like it's not. It's not the end of the world. And so, um, like you said, you know, people are and, and Meltdown mentioned too, you know, when you go to see them, you, you, whether or not you like that record, it's great for everybody that they're doing those songs because it's an all-inclusive thing. They're literally doing stuff from every era of the band. Hey, it's I look at it like The Simpsons. Simpsons is my favorite show of all time. Obviously, those first, uh, what, seven and eight seasons uh, are the best, but I still watch the new ones. People may say it's not as good. I still laugh. I never want the show to end. I hope it keeps going until the day that I die. And that's how I feel about GNR. As long as they can keep doing it, uh, from your lips to God's, the giant spaghetti monster's ears, whatever you believe in, that Axel can still be doing it at Mick Jagger's age. And this is, we never thought we would be here 10 years later. So this is a, if anything, this is a really positive conversation. And, you know, every, every time I go to a Guns N' Roses show, everyone is so fucking happy. And what a world we live in where there's so much anger and hate and violence around. Go to a fucking Guns N' Roses show now. Yeah, and you know, I've mentioned this before on your show at least, and I think on the other uh, podcasts, on um, but uh, the GNR Central uh, podcast. But, you know, to me, you know, it's a, it, being a GNR fan, is, it's very beauty is in the eye, right? You know, and I could sit around and, you know, say, oh, I'm all pissed off that Robin Fink's not in the band anymore. Or, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, again, like, I, I really want to see Robin play that one solo. But I'm not, you know, mad about it. There's so many more positives that have come out of being a GNR fan that, you know, the late starts are things I could I could sit and fixate on, you know. Uh, like you said, Brandon, you know, we haven't met in person, but you know, we're friends, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've become friends with Ron but through Ron. I met meltdown and we're friends. We uh, chat all the time about music and, uh, you know, he comes over and hangs out and, you know, I've been listening to him talk on the riff, uh, you know, talk at me for 25 years on the riff and because by, you know, six degrees of separation from Guns N' Roses. No, I'm friends with the guy. You know, we hang out and, you know, I've had recommended records to him to buy. He recommends records to me to buy. Um, you know, I, I had a pre-party in Vegas and there were, at one point in the day, we had uh, uh, six continents represented in my hotel room of GNR fans. Like literally people from all over 
the world. That's what I love about um, doing this podcast and yeah, talking to you guys and, and talking to Meltdown yeah. and, and getting all these so listener many comments. Positive things. So, you know, there's so many positive things that, you know, you know, I even always say, oh, I wish they'd put out more music or, you know, oh, man, I, I really wish Axel would lift a finger and, you know, really work on putting something out. It's been 10 years since this record. But there's so many positive things that have happened in the past 10 years that I, that's very low on my radar of when I think about my overall GNR experience. You know, the fact that the, the small amount of material is is very low on my uh, on my consciousness as far as, like, the things that have come out of this. Yeah. You know? We can end uh, with his last comment, and we'll you know get where people can follow you and all that fun stuff. Especially you know meltdown. I know Russ, you don't you probably want people to stay away from you. Uh, Manuela <laughs> Lopez said, "I thought it was different. After listening to it more and more, the songs started clicking. Pure genius. Now one of my favorite all-time albums ever. So it's a lot of opinion about it, and but you you get things like comments like that, and that's more or less how I feel. It is one of my favorite albums, you know, but." Uh, Chinese Democracy, 10 years later, uh, revisited. Uh, Russ, thanks again for coming back on the show. Of course, you can you know, follow Russ, talk to Russ, um, maybe get an own, your own personal rant on mygnrforum.com. Uh, do, do you promote your, your Twitter? Do you care? Because I know you, you're not huge on it. I see you retweet me. which No, is, yeah, you, you can. It, it's just Russ TCV at, uh, or whatever, at Russ TCV, rather. It, uh, yeah, I don't. I yeah I just I'm sure if you've seen my, it's ninety percent of it is me uh, you know ranting about uh, music most of it's positive but uh, every so often I gotta throw out uh, something that I find to be hot garbage but you know other than that <laughs> I try, try and keep it positive. What about you, Meltdown, Mister? Uh, you know, hang out with celebrities and interview celebrities. Uh, obviously, <laughs> WRIF. You're on weekdays, right? Weekday afternoon. Yeah, weekdays three to seven. Yeah. So my uh, Twitter's at Meltdown WRIF, and you can just. Hit up my page anytime, uh, WRIF.com slash Meltdown. That's where my Talk and Rock podcast is, which is kind of something we were talking about a little bit before. It's been kind of reinvented. That's like a, a long story. But, yeah, if you get a chance, uh, check that out. And like we were saying, it's like, man, uh, just when you think, you know, you got nothing going on in one week, next thing you know, you're piled up with different interviews. So I've got some stuff coming up this week that's pretty cool. And, um, you know, uh, I was supposed to have some stuff this past week that was really cool, which hopefully will will come to fruition uh, sometime in the future. I think I told you about that, didn't I, Russ? Uh, no. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> you sound very confident. yeah. So, anyways, uh, yeah, there's a there's a band member of a pretty popular metal band that lives here in Detroit that was supposed to make an appearance on it this week, but uh, oh, that's right, you did tell me about that, yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, I'll be on the lookout. Um, yeah, that's how that works. What's right. that? I'll be on the lookout for it because I, you know, I enjoy it. Yeah, your... yeah. So, yeah. I, just, I just listened to because your Axel interview, which is up on your 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 podcast, it's uh, it's the second half because the first half was was uh, Samoa Joe, and I'm a WWE. Yeah, guy. that's yeah, yeah. My podcast is like changed, like I said, and it's kind of uh, going in a, just a just a more pretty much straight ahead rock direction. But that's like you know, like I said, that's uh, another story for another time. But yeah, it's uh, just talking rock uh, without the G. And, um, you know, on iTunes and, and whatever else. But, uh, uh, you know, it's something I really like doing. And, um, you know, it gives you another outlet of, of your creativity. So, Absolutely. And I appreciate your time. I'm glad, I you know, we, we finally got to talk. And, you know, as I've said to Russ, and the same uh, invite goes to you, Meltdown, if you ever want to come on and, and co-host an episode, uh, you're more than welcome. Maybe you can get your friend Bobby on the show. But uh, it's just, just food for thought, and uh, and hopefully you know maybe he told uh, me some Axel Rose stories. Trust me. <laughs> all right. Well, if if you're able to pull, yeah, those he strings. was at the uh, he was either at the last 
Hammerstein show or the or, or two of them or whatever. But yeah, he came out and uh, performed with GNR in uh, New York in 2006. Actually, I watched half of that show at, at uh, Ford Field with him. Do you, do you remember that story? I took one of my friends who was it was a Walmart manager into a suite, and my buddy like just about crapped his pants. Yeah, because <laughs> he's watching Guns and Roses in 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 his suite with uh, all sorts of celebrities and stuff. And he looked at me at one point. He goes, "Dude, I think my head's going to explode." Fun. Hey, man, listen, I really appreciate you asking me to come on. I know it's been a long time in the making, and uh, you know talk about uh you know really one of my favorite records it was uh really cool and of course i uh russ knows how much i love talking about uh music and stuff as uh as evident by when we when we get together so no i appreciate it always uh you know we can talk more radio shop and maybe uh next time and you know your path just like with every interview i do yeah gnr is you know the the center of our universe but i like to find out about the people you know where right right so uh, and i always like talking shop and getting war stories from 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 radio guys so you're always welcome back obviously russ you're always uh welcome not too much ranting today but many good points made <laughs> so it's uh, all appreciated regardless and hopefully maybe next time it'll yeah, be I got, it'll be with bumble generally i gotta get more whiskey involved i got i'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm running on no whiskey right now if i get the, if the whiskey gets going and meltdown will tell you this any, any given friday night he comes over and spin records it's pretty like it's like a a line on the fifth of whiskey if we get past that uh, that's when things become more ranty than uh, than, than just general opinion based. All right, we'll we'll get you some uh, some whiskey next time for sure. Sure. Hey, Brando, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. Thanks a lot, guys. Russ taking care of business and uh, and meltdown uh, from WRIF. Uh, cool conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I didn't know where it was going to go because kind of wanted to, you know, again revisit Chinese democracy a decade later because it's still prevalent. It's not like we, we brought up before, you know, the analogy with Metallica saying anger. Metallica doesn't play saying anger stuff live. I mean, maybe, rarely, the title track or Frantic, but they're still playing plenty of Chinese democracy stuff, sometimes, you know, switching it out uh, one tune for another. So it's still relevant, of course, now with Slash and, and Duff playing these albums 10 years later. Wow. You know, when I was 25, living in, in Cape Cod, never thought I would be... 35, uh, talking about not just Guns N' Roses being reunited, for a lack of a better term, and and playing Chinese democracy and, and, and touring. Never would have thought. Also, never would have thought I would have had 92 episodes of a Guns N' Roses podcast, and it's all because of you. Whether you found us on the iHeartRadio app, whether you found us on uh, via AlternativeNation.net, on iTunes, on Spreaker, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, now on Google Play. Uh, also, I believe maybe the first 45 episodes are now up on YouTube, slowly but surely rolling those out. We will have uh, all the episodes, obviously, at, at some point on YouTube. Just want to get uh, a lot of platforms out there so people could find us, which is what happens. People are always finding us, and you know the Twitter numbers go up, the Facebook numbers go up, the obviously the listening numbers go up, and that's how... And why uh, guests uh, come on the show, it, and and I'm 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 glad not just because I get to talk to cool people, but you got to experience these conversations with me. It, it's pretty cool that you uh, you all are along on this podcast night train with me. Very overwhelming, and I, I can't wait. You know, again to see where this goes. Just 92 episodes, and I feel like in a way we're just getting started. So there are. Uh, you know, some guests out there, um, maybe I can say, you know, uh, I don't think anything immediate that's going to happen. I, I, I did talk to the management of, uh, of both uh, Steel Panther 
Um, yeah, it, it was Steel Panther and uh, The Pretty Reckless. And uh, they said to follow up. They, they were seemed interested just to want to follow up after those bands are finishing up the finished up with their new album because that's what they're focused on now. So hopefully, you know, because they both toured with GNR and uh, interesting enough by themselves, uh, Steel Panther and you know hopefully Taylor Momsen from uh, from the Pretty Reckless. Uh, I believe also we're going to get on uh, Arian Bueller on again, uh, who who's doing more lithographs for the recent Guns N' Roses show. So we can there's so much to talk to him about. You know, and this is just more about uh, on top of the fact that he was raised by Rastafarians and is friends with Bob Marley's uh, family, but just the amazing artwork that goes into every location and every stop for Guns N' Roses and, and just the story of behind it. So uh, hopefully that should happen in, in the future and just working on more. You know, it was very cool to uh, I got a random call from uh, not random. We talk every now and then Doug Goldstein the other day. Uh, shout out to, to Doug. And uh, and and also to uh, to Jeff from my uh, GNR Central, uh, they they hooked up yesterday. Well, not literally hooked up. Not, uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, but they they met the other yesterday, I believe, um, in 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 Jeff's hometown of uh, Cincinnati. Used to grab some dinner, and they called me th- uh, at dinner. They were thinking about me, but I was actually out and seeing the Bohemian Rhapsody movie. But uh, it, it's just cool. Never, just like Jeff said uh, in I think his tweet or whatever, like. He never would have imagined having dinner with the former Guns N' Roses manager. I never imagined uh, most of the things that have been this podcast has allowed me to do, and and you're allowing me to do. Um, one thing I will put it out there. I'm also going to put it up on our social media. Please, if you're not, if you haven't followed us yet, Facebook.com/slash the AFD Show or Twitter at the AFD Show. I've gotten some private messages about uh, doing a, a Patreon. I believe. Uh, and, and that, I guess that's just where you you can donate money to a cause or a service or a platform. Uh, you know, I, I've worked towards of trying to get uh, a sponsorship, and that's that's so difficult. Otherwise, everybody would be doing it. I'm lucky that you know I'm on the iHeartRadio app, and I have the listeners that I have, so I'm, I'm still growing. But I would never want to ask for money from you. Like, why would I? I don't want your money. However, you know, I've gotten a few messages like this, and. You know, I'm going to take a poll, and, and maybe I'll address it on the next episode and see what's up, but I want to put it out on the episode as well. If I did do that, and because these are ideas I would like to have, have in the future, in addition to just interviewing cool people and, and, and having cool conversations like we had today. Uh, but in the future, I would like, you know, if I were to get money, uh, transcribe a lot of these interviews, uh, not just in English, but in other languages. It means so much, and I'll give him a shout out again. Uh, the Duff McKagan Argentina uh, uh, website, you know, Twitter handle and Facebook, that they were sharing the heck out of my Matt McKagan interview, and it's just it's really spe- you know I've seen some of my interviews translated in, in Dutch and in in, uh, in Spanish. So if I if I could do some that on a, on a regular basis and perhaps hire somebody to do that, I think that would be really cool. Because again, the point of this podcast is to unite people through our love of GNR, regardless of what your uh, political association is, regardless of where you live in the world, regardless of how old you are. We all meet here uh, to start to because we have the common bond of GNR. So to be able to expand that to other languages is something I would like to do, you know, and maybe get help there. I know I've gotten some people inquiring about maybe helping me, helping me, but I would feel guilty because it's a lot of work. This is a lot of work. So, you know, if that's something I can compensate somebody for, uh, that's something I would love to do in the future. 
and 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 perhaps uh, do what uh, Remco, our buddy Remco from the Netherlands uh, did at the at the goodness of his heart. Perhaps some of you would want to do that, and that being kind of like a a reporter for this show, and by that, and these are just ideas that I'm throwing out there. I would want feedback. So if you're at a Guns N' Roses show, or let's just say even you know a Miles Kennedy show, or a Gilby Clark, and you're a reporter there. And you're doing live video, maybe talking to the fans, and we make that into an episode live from the with so and so, and and that that's work, you know, to to do that. You know, I've tried to do that myself in concerts and take pictures and, you know, kind of write a review. It's work, so that's something I would like to compensate somebody for. Being in radio, I don't have a lot of money, <laughs> so I can't do that as presently constructed. So if I were to do a Patreon, uh. Those are some of the ideas that I would like to work towards. And, of course, the sponsorship, that would help out with that. But uh, just, again, give me give me feedback. You know, I, I'm always reading your questions, having you guys co-host. You are a part of this show. I'm just, I guess, the, the axle <laughs> who's, you know, constantly uh, changing members or whatever it is. But the uh, the end goal is always the same, and that's just to enjoy ourselves and, and, and talk a little Guns N' Roses. So until the next episode— when are you going to see it? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it.